I'm Kurt LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business of Vancouver. Today's podcast is part one in a series of four examining the intricacies and challenges of buying and selling a business. Today's is part one on buying a business. It's part of our Business Excellence series, and it's sponsored by the law firm of Richards Boyle Sutton and the financial services firm Roynat Capital. My guests are experienced and expert in the complex terrain of buying a business, and I think the next 20 minutes or so will be a valuable education for you. David Harvey is a member of the Business Law and Employment and Human Rights Practices Group at the law firm Richards Boyle Sutton. His primary focus includes mergers and acquisitions. Derek Strong is the Regional Director at Roynat Capital, a prominent financial services firm that arranges capital for transactions in this space. Jason Bryce is a business broker with his own firm, found at jasonbryce.com online, with well more than 100 such transactions in buying and selling. And Arturo Cobb is a business broker and franchise consultant with Murphy Business Brokers, which deals with buying and selling businesses. Let's join the conversation. Good to have you with us. Let's start a little bit with the financial position that you ought to have in pursuing a business. Uh, David, start me off here with, you know, when people are coming to you to start exploring this, uh, what do you have to make sure that they've got in order? Sure, from the financial side, um, and we're talking about the buy side right now, I take it, sorry? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, first off, you want to be talking to your, your banker, make sure that you've got the necessary uh, financing available to you, unless you're going outside to, uh, to other investors for the financing. Um, and, uh, you know, depending, a lot of my clients, they'll, they'll vary in terms of their risk threshold. Some are willing to do transactions that, uh, that would concern me. Lawyers are generally a little bit more conservative, but um, they've been able to make it work. Um, so it really will depend a lot on the, uh, the client as well there. Good, good. Derek, pick up on that. What, uh, what's the financial position you want to have? Sure. I mean, I, I see there's two different types of buyers for a business. There'd be an external buyer or an internal buyer. And really, uh, we would differentiate those two in terms of what type of capital we're looking for them to have available to invest in a business. If you're an external buyer, a private equity firm, financial buyer, investor, individual, you know, generally we're looking for at least 25% cash equity in, to buy a business. Uh, overall, capital structure, usually about 40% of a capital structure of a business purchase is equity and vendor financing, and then 60% debt is sort of the, is what I'd see normal structure for an external party buying a business. Jason, does that fit about right? Yeah, exactly. What I would also uh, comment to any buyers is that we can also get really creative. So I have done, I've done deals for a couple million dollars and the person had 200 grand down. Like we can find a way. If, uh, if someone's really keen on the business, they've got some experience between, you know, vendor financing, bank financing, maybe a bit of a private lender, you know, we can a lot of times push the envelope of what people yeah. think uh, they wouldn't be able to afford that they can. And, and Arturo, add to this, uh, what kind of position do you think people ought to have in pursuing? I agree with both Derek and Jason. I mean, I think the general rule is to go for a 25, 30% of saying the buyer, okay, you more or less should be able to bring this to the table, okay, in, uh, in respect to the, to the price, to the asking price. Well, there are some other, I mean, as Jason says, creative ways to go around the deal, no? But for the sake of the, if, if they want to be more assured that they will be able to get the deal done, probably 25 to 30% is, 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 mm. is a good 
it, there's a, there's such an array of data that's necessary um, in understanding what it is that you're buying. And I want to get a bit of a look at that. And let me uh, uh, go over again uh, and start with David on this one. Uh, what kind of data do you think you need to understand in order to know really what it is you're buying? Yeah, and I think it depends a lot on, you know, if the buyers within the industry of the, the business that they're acquiring or they're outside and they're more of a passive investor. Uh, if you're familiar with the industry, you're familiar with that type of business, you may not need that much information at all. Uh, you know, at a minimum, you'll probably want to see financial statements and, you know, asset lists, those kind of things. Make sure you know what you're acquiring, but um, that may be enough. But if you're not familiar, you're going to need a lot more information. You're going to need to be, be able to become comfortable that the business is going to be able to continue to operate after you take over uh, and be successful. Derek? Yeah, and just to clarify, I mean, the, when I'm talking about businesses, usually half a million in earnings to 10 million, because sometimes you can get below the half a million earnings, and maybe how you look at a deal is a bit different. But I'd say the vast majority of businesses, and anyways, in BC, are in that half a million to 10 million space sort of mid-market. Um, <clears throat> And so in terms of due diligence, uh, it's really quite significant, the amount of due diligence uh, I would expect a buyer to have on a business. Um, one thing that we've seen a lot of in the last couple of years is buyers getting quality of earnings reports done on the businesses they're acquiring. Now, this isn't an audit, but it's an in-depth analysis and report by an accounting firm of the business looking at its historic financial performance, actually all aspects of a business and providing a report. That's a very valuable tool for you to use as a buyer and also to take to your bank or a lender like Roynat for financing. Yeah. Jason? Yeah, one of the things that I would, uh, that I would really caution or encourage rather buyers to, uh, to really understand the balance sheets. Um, you know, everyone kind of has a bit of a general understanding of the income statement, uh, but the balance sheet is where you're going to make or break yourself on the deal. A lot of times people will be so focused on putting in an offer for a certain price, uh, whereas but if the balance sheet's been stripped down to nothing, uh, then that's not necessarily a good deal. So you might end up paying more, but get a but get a better balance sheet, and it could be net net a gain for you. So I, I think that's a big thing that I see a lot of buyers not fully understanding. So what what kind of information would this provide you? Well, the balance. So you're going to look at what the balance sheet's going to look like at closing. So how much accounts receivable are mm -hmm. going to be coming in when you buy it? And how much accounts payable are going to be due. So if you buy a business and there's a whole bunch, there's no money coming in and a whole bunch that's got to go out to pay payroll and back rent or loans or whatever, uh, you can, even though you've got a low price, you can really be screwing yourself. So yeah. uh, if you get, if you negotiate the balance sheet first and then, uh, and then work about the price, you're, you'll be in a lot better position. Yeah. Arturo, add, add to what it is that you need to understand in the way. Yeah, that, you know. yeah, yeah. in other words, what Jason is saying is that, I mean, we have to be, I mean, the buyer has to be aware of what's, what necessary working capital do he or she would need to, to, to start running the business, right? Because if, if that's not clear beforehand, I mean, he could be or she could be having to put in much more than what originally anticipated, right? Much more than the, the 25 or 30% or whatever. Um, I want to uh, take a look at the roster of advice to enlist in all of this. I mean, again, we're we're dealing with uh, with businesses of a certain size, so I imagine the the list of advice might be longer in in larger cases. 
but uh, at, at a minimum, uh, so I'll start with you, Derek, on this one. What, what advice do you think is necessary to enlist in order to buy? Sure. You mean like third-party advisors? Yeah. Kirk, is that what you're yeah. I mean, first off, you have to get a lawyer that knows what they're doing. And when I say a lawyer, I mean, we all have lawyer friends or lawyers who do wills and estates and, you know, they can help you set up a company. But in reality, uh, when you're looking at the right lawyer, you have to hire somebody who's an M&A lawyer that is used to doing M&A law. And the reason being is the private, you know, the business market is an imperfect market in that there's not tons of information out there about what current trends are in the marketplace. And really a lawyer who does a lot of M&A work will be up to speed on, you know, all the different documentation, what's market, what isn't market, you know, from letters of intent to purchase agreements to vendor notes, um, you know, structures of uh, war reps and warranties. So really getting a lawyer that knows their stuff about M&A is the most important thing somebody David, can do. David, it sounds like Derek has just given you the opportunity for a commercial here. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, completely agree. There's uh, nothing, you know, on the one hand, you can take advantage of a lawyer that doesn't know what they're doing. Uh, on the other hand, it also complicates the transaction. They end up being a roadblock to getting a, 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 a smooth transaction going through and for uh, all the parties to be happy at the end of the day. So it's a double-edged sword when you're dealing with someone that doesn't know, isn't used to dealing with uh, with transactions. Yeah. Arturo, what, what other types of, uh, you know, advice do you think is necessary to enlist? Well, of course, I mean, I, I would also say that accounting advice, I mean, or, or, or personal financial advice from the buyer to see what's his position and or, or to what extent he can go, okay? Then some more, I mean, a general advice like uh, from people from like Jason or myself, more of a generalist, I would explain the process to the, to the potential buyer. I mean, in general terms of, of, of what to expect uh, during the process of buying a, a business, what can, what's, what's necessary, what can go well, what can go wrong, etc. okay? And, that, and then, of course, specific advice from, from lawyers. And, 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 yeah. Jason, uh, you know, the, the, the roster, again, can be rather large. But at a minimum, we hear a lawyer, we hear some accountancy uh, advice. Anything else that you, you consider to be crucial in this? Yeah, I mean, the banker is a big part of the team as well. And uh, I do a fair amount of deals through the charter banks, but also through the, the BDC, the Business Development Bank. And the BDC in particular really has a, they're consultants of your due diligence along the way. So if you're looking at buying a business and you're, particularly if you're uh, just a little bit under on your desired down payment, uh, the BDC can be a really good option. And, uh, and they're, they're part of your advisor team. But really it's banker, lawyer, accountant. Yeah. Join us for part two of our conversation tomorrow. All of the series can be found later this week at BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe publisher and editor-in-chief in Business and Day. Thanks for joining us.